I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You are listening to Alone, a love story, and I'm Michelle Parisi. Chapter 20. Someone Good. Loss. Revisited. And so this is why I'm a little mean to the man with the white shirt here in this fancy bar with the tarot card reader as we celebrate my 39th birthday. He knows it, but he's being sweet and generous anyway. Well, what's he going to do? Be impatient with the cake? It's his cake. Come on. Instead, he smiles for photos. He holds my drink. He laughs with my friends. He looks perfect in his jeans. I continue to be petulant. Then I take my one millionth fancy cocktail and stumble down a hallway to see the tarot card reader. Here she is, giant chair, giant glass of wine. Here she is turning the cards over. Loss, fear, futility, which may as well be, your husband cheated on you and now you think no one can love you. Then she says the stuff about how all the bullshit I've been through over the past few years is really a test. A test for me to learn how I say yes to things and how I say no. Not if, how. I wake up the next morning in his bed, massively hungover. It's my 39th birthday. I shouldn't even be here. I should leave. But instead, I'm dead from having torn my body apart because my heart and mind couldn't handle things. The man with the white shirt gets up and makes me an espresso. I just lie there and look at my phone. There are birthday greetings. In email, texts, Facebook messages, Instagram comments, I feel loved, but it's not enough. I want a man to love me. I want this man to love me. Just me. I lie there some more, staring at the cracks in his ceiling thinking how that's a metaphor for the fissures inside me, then realizing it's a crap metaphor, actually. I lie there and think about how last year, on the morning of my 38th birthday, I woke up in the bed of the ex-husband. How I snuck away before 7 a.m. back to my apartment across the street so my own daughter wouldn't find me in bed with her own father. 
Well, at least I'm done with all that. White Shirt's cat climbs up on the bed and stares directly into my eyes. I stare back in case she has any advice for me, which she doesn't. So we stay like that. Her purring, me staring at a crap metaphor above us. White Shirt makes eggs. He's no shirt right now, which I wish he could see because, wow. But that's beside the point. He serves me the eggs in his bed. Cut fruit and avocado fanned out beautifully on the plate. He massages my tired shoulders. He brings me extra strength Advil and water in a mug with his name written across it. We laugh and talk and kiss and fool around and talk some more. The hangover starts to lift and yet I continue to just lie there in his cozy apartment of confusion. I don't know what I'm doing or who I've become, but I realize I can't move. I'm just exhausted, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I'm at a crossroads with myself, again. This isn't for me, I say to him, over and over. It isn't for me, I'm right. I don't want to share him, to be shared. I don't want to feel this magic we say we both feel and then feel the empty despair on nights when I know he's out with some other woman. Although I'm not ready to let him go just yet, I know this will last another week, tops, before I break things off. I'm already feeling farther away, the cement all set in the wall around my heart. His face is sad. He holds me tight. How did I get here? What happened to my life? To love? I wonder this all the time now. This is the last time. I have a confession to make. You're going to be angry with me. Worried even. But it's fine. I'm fine. Here it is. Later that night, still on my 39th birthday, I sleep with the ex-husband. I say to the ex-husband as we tear each other's clothes off. Man, what are we doing? And he replies, It's your birthday. What do you mean? I'm still angry at you. I'm above him as I say this. You should be. I'm a jerk. His hands on my skin. We aren't going back to being friends after this. It'll be right back to not talking about anything other than business. Business is the word we use to refer to our daughter. Okay. He says, but do I detect a little sadness? Our bodies move together, effortlessly, as they have for 14 years now. I say, okay, hurry up now. My boyfriend's waiting for me, remember? Right, your pretty boyfriend, the ex-husband says. 
White Shirt is expecting me to sleep over his place tonight. Whether or not he's my boyfriend, well, let's just say that inspired by him, I'm exploring a disbelief in categories at the moment. Here we are in the bathroom together afterward, showering, bumping into each other, pinching, joking, comfortable, just like we're still married. Instead, the divorce will actually be official in two days' time. I want to say that something profound came out of this, that I got in my car and realized something deep about myself, but I didn't. I just put on my clothes and kissed the ex-husband goodbye. As I go to leave, he flashes me a peace sign, and I flash him one back. See you around, jerk, I say, and he smiles with his eyes and his face and his everything, all parts of him shooting directly into me, like a quiver full of arrows launched all at once. I smile too, and shut his apartment door behind me. Actually, just before the peace signs and the invisible arrows, I said, I really hope when I turn 40 next year, I don't see you at all. He pouts, then says, Ah, of course you will. Why not? But really, Lord in heaven, I sincerely hope that I will make it through my entire 40th birthday without sleeping with my cake-eating lucky bastard of an ex-husband, without seeing his face or hearing his voice. Electrical current be damned. This has to be the last time. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect Day Two days after my 39th birthday. It's a Sunday afternoon. My kitchen counter is littered with empty bottles and dirty dishes. I had a party the night before, where White Shirt played co-host, cutting lime wedges, greeting guests, arranging a tray of vegetables, inventing a rum punch with me, all kisses and laughs, and God, you're so incredible. His hand on my waist. I enjoy it all, but in the back of my mind, there's a ticker tape that scrolls round and round. If I'm so incredible, why do you need to be with other women too? The party's fun, filled with some of my oldest friends and some new. White Shirt plays the piano, and then my guitar, and we all sing songs until 2 a.m. Once everyone's gone, I stand there, tipsy, as he puts saran wrap on leftover food. I eat crackers. 
He says something to me, but I don't hear him because I'm remembering me and the husband cleaning up after the parties we used to throw. I'm remembering how it was one of our favorite things, washing the dishes, putting the food away, talking about the night, and then slow dancing, always dancing. In the morning, we'd wake up and the place would be spotless because we enjoyed the end of the party as much as the party itself. When he puts the last wrapped food in the fridge, White Shirt says, we don't have to clean the rest of this now. Let's go to bed. And we do, inhaling each other for a couple of hours, not falling asleep until sometime after 5 a.m. when the sky is starting to turn that eerie navy blue. Now it's afternoon and he's long gone. The dishes and empty bottles are still strewn around, but I don't care. I haven't cleaned a thing yet, and it doesn't matter. And then I get a text. It's the ex-husband, saying, What are the chances Lou Reed died on the last day of our marriage? Right, the divorce. It's actually official today. Poor Lou, like some kind of punk rock bookend to the story of us. His song, Perfect Day, was our wedding song. So what are the chances? I mean, really, universe, when you get married, Lou Reed sings a song, and when you get divorced, he dies? Like everyone else in the world does when a musician dies, I immediately put on his music, starting with the first Velvet Underground album. Then I listen to all of the solo Lou Reed songs I have. When it gets to perfect day, I freeze. I haven't been able to listen to this song in years. I cannot listen to it. I've walked out of rooms when it's come on. I've frantically launched myself at stereos to quickly click it to the next song. But today, I steal myself and let it roll. It's such a beautiful song. As it plays, I catch my face in the mirror. My hair is so much curlier now than when we got married. My face is so different. Whoever I was when I was a bride, it isn't the same person I am now. Not inside, not out. Whoever he was, that groom dancing to this song with me, he isn't that person now either. For a second, I struggled to remember the feeling of dancing to this song as all our friends and family watched. And then it gets to the part in the song that always made us hug each other a little bit tighter when we danced to it in our first apartment, in the kitchen of our house when I was pregnant, and certainly on our wedding day. Just a perfect day You made me forget myself I thought I was someone else, someone good And then it comes back to me, clear as day, the husband singing these words so sweetly and low, half whispered as we danced at our wedding. You just keep me hanging on. You just keep me hanging on. As our marriage was falling apart, he told me, When I asked you to marry me, I believed in it. The day we got married, I believed in us. 
I didn't think I would do this. I really didn't. He thought he was someone else, someone good. I walk away from the mirror and sit on the couch in a bit of a daze, my whole being transported back to 2002, to promise, to the belief that we would hold each other up, keep each other hanging on. Rest in peace, Lou, and rest in peace, our marriage. Everything turns into something else, and that's all right. Rest in peace. Something else. Find me here, in a washroom stall, in a bar, taking out my phone, to look at a picture of the man with the white shirt. This again. I'm on a third date with a really cool guy. He's great, but like everyone I meet, he can't compare. And so, even though I'm on this date with totally acceptable guy, my fingers ignore my brain. I text. I don't know how to stop. And White Shirt texts back immediately. You're asking the one who doesn't know how to start. Four years later. It's no different. The two of us, back and forth, beating a path between our houses. Years of not being my boyfriend, of being the best not-boyfriend. Years of me dating totally acceptable guy, versions one through eight. Of him not dating at all and not getting involved with anyone, which I can only take to mean having excellent casual sex with women who are super cool about it. We say, we will stop. We say, we should try. We say, we tried, but now we should stop. We say, I love you. I love you too. We say, you aren't right for me. You aren't right for me. We say, I can't let go. Me either. We say, we should take some space. Okay, we can do it this time, yes. We say, I can't imagine not having you in my life, but we have to do this. I need this, me too. We say, of course you can come over, of course. Our love is a serpent eating its own tail. So tell me, what should I do? Because I still don't know how to say goodbye, how to be alone. Because I'm 43 and I still don't know how to stop. Because he's 42 and he still doesn't know how to start.
You've been listening to Alone, a love story, written by me, Michelle Parisi. If you're wondering what happens next and can't wait, I promise you, the story will continue. I mean, it is a living document, and this season only got us up to 2013. So stick with me. Head over to cbc.ca slash alone for more of my stories behind the story, photos, and a ton about music. Alone, A Love Story is a CBC original podcast made lovingly by two people, me and the incredible Veronica Simmons. This is my life we're talking about here, and Veronica is the best story editor I could have ever hoped for. She helps me lift every word off the page, or cuts them out. Every chapter of Alone is mixed and produced by the two of us here in our hometown of Toronto. The theme music for Alone, plus a lot of the other music you hear throughout the series, is by the artist Yehenda. I'd love to hear from you. Write a review or reach out on Twitter or Facebook at Alone CBC. I'm Michelle Parisi. Thanks for listening. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.